Hello, everybody. Good morning. All right. So we're get some uh, lights on in here and pull up the whole room so we can see what's going on. Welcome to Beach Week. We're excited about you being here. And I know uh, we're podcasting this as well, so we'll be able to put this out so you can hear this once you get home. Not bad. Um, but, you know, we've been talking, uh, getting ready to talk this week about what it means to be a radical, uh, radical follower of Christ. And that word alone is kind of freaky. Um, we are talking last night with some of the leaders that when you hear the word radical in the generation where you are, it's not always a good thing, right? Uh, so when I say that, what do you think that was? I get it's radical. What does that mean for you? What, what does it bring to your mind? Anybody? Anybody? All right. So, it's, yeah. So sometimes, like I said last night, it's, it's, uh, it can be like a negative connotation. So I want you to, we always have scripture, so you want to turn to Luke chapter 18, and uh, this gives a little example of like radical faith, and so we're going to look at that and see what that's all about. Um, being radical, when we were kids, man, it was like, man, that's rad. They never finished the word out. It's always like, rat's rad. Okay, anybody never heard that term? I'm dating myself. Anybody heard that? Raise your hand. So maybe we start a new look, look at us. We're all over 21. Anyway, so anyway, anyway, everybody say, that's rad. Okay, so you can start, you can cheat it, start it all over again. You can like start this like retro word for rad. And we're asking you to be radical believers. And I know uh, it's made it sound like, oh man, you're going to take over those like the Christian militia. We're going to get people. I mean, well, no, that, that's not what we're talking about, actually. We're talking about literally, um, literally standing up and being what God's asked us to be. So before we can go any further, we have to understand what the word radical actually means. So I'm going to give you a definition of what that is. And, and then we're going to look at the passage of Scripture. Radical actually means, this is like the not holy dictionary. This is just what it means, all right? Um, it Relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. Far-reaching or thorough. So we, we've really, sometimes we turn words around and we change them culturally to different things that we mean, but in its original context, relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something, far-fetching, or thorough. It means going all the way. Just give you an idea. Some of the synonyms would be complete, total, entire, absolute, or utter. Okay, so when we think about the uttermost, okay, the best, the most radical, absolute, entire, total, complete. Now, when we think about the word radical, and I say radical follower, that means total follower, complete follower, entire follower, absolute follower, utter follower. Now, when we get that, that's like, oh, we, we get that. Because I think in our generation or in your generation where we're living today, we have a lot of like, half-baked Christians. Like, you know, there's nothing like that's kind of falling apart when it gets out of the oven. I mean, we want something good. We want something solid. We want it right. We want Christians to be solid. It's what they say they are. Let's look at the, the actual scripture. I'm going to read this story. And many of you heard this story before, but we're going to look at it. This was, uh, is Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to start with verse 18. It says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, uh, for he was very rich. He goes on to say this too, though. It doesn't stop there. This is kind of an add-on here of the story, the kind of like the afterthought. It says, when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And then Peter said, see, we've left all and we followed you. So he said to them, surely say to you, there's no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time 
and he and and to come in eternal and to come he says eternal life not just on this earth but you have eternal benefits as well so Jesus does want to bless us when we're willing to give up everything to follow him. We're going to talk about this weekend, what is everything? And I don't know if you guys are like me. Have you ever been in like a situation where you're with the Lord and you're praying and you go maybe to a retreat, you go to a conference, and you're saying, Lord Jesus, uh, and God begins to work on your heart, and you go before the altar and you say, God, I give you this thing. And God will point out certain things that you need to lay down to him, right? Lord, I give this to you. You've been there before? And you feel like you have given him everything. You know what? Then you go to another retreat or something down the line, or and then all of a sudden God finds something else, and it's like uh, I thought I gave you everything. And sometimes I look at God and say, "What do you want from me?" And He goes, um, "I said everything. We're working on that." Because if God came at us all at one time and said, "I just want it all," we kind of freak out. It's that sanctification where it begins to work in our lives to get rid of the things in our lives that are not pleasing to Him. And so as we grow closer to the Lord, he points out even greater areas of sin or even the smallest things begin to show up and we want to please the Lord. And so this is that radical change that we should see in you if you're a believer. You know, if, if we become believers, we're one way and then we change to another. So the question is, I wanna ask this question. She's put this question up here. Are you a radical follower? Well, are you the one that's gonna be complete, total, entire, absolutely thorough you know, far-reaching for Jesus. I mean, you're going to go the whole uh, millionth mile, whatever. And that's what we're asking. You know, just don't, some of us just, we're happy with where we are in our walk of faith. I will say this to you. If you're at a point in your life where you're satisfied with where you are in Jesus, that ain't a good thing, all right? As we'd say in the South, it's just not a good thing. God doesn't want you to be happy with where you are. He wants to challenge you to go on to deeper, bigger, greater things. So this first thing I want you to look at, and the question is, are you a radical uh, believer? Are you going to be that? Are you a radical follower? Uh, the question is, are you, and I would say, if it says total, are you all in in your walk of faith? And if not, what areas in your life do you want God to begin to look at and when we want, listen, we have this relationship with the Lord. We want the Lord to go deep with us. So we're inviting him, not that he needs that because he's God, but we're inviting him to kind of search every area, every aspect of our life and give him full reign to dig up all the trash and the garbage and stuff that's not pleasing to him. And that's what helps us start with this walk of becoming a radical follower. The question is, are you a radical follower? So we're going to look at this story here and let's see what he says here. And, uh, and at the beginning of this. Now, this is very interesting. How many know the story of the blind man? Anybody know the story of the blind man? Blind Bartimaeus? Okay, you remember he's, he is outside Jericho and he was begging and Jesus comes by and you've heard me share this story if you've been around me long enough because it's one of my favorite stories from the Bible. Because the, 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 the shortest testimony in the Bible is the blind man's testimony. It's not one of those that Billy Wayne testimonies that last 30, 45 an hour and a half. It's not those who tell their life story at camp. And you're like, okay, wrap it up. I mean, it's like, not that you, you all would never do that, but you know what I mean? Uh, but it's, 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 it's the shortest one. And you know what it says? The blind man says, I once was blind, but now I see. In other words, I was this way. I met Jesus and I'm something else. Shortest testimony you'll ever see in the scriptures. I once was blind, but now I see right? So we're one way, we're this way, and we become something else. Well, if you know the story about the blind man, he's sitting on the side of the road, and remember the same thing, kind of picture of this rich man coming by, this rich young ruler, and so it's the same picture, except one's, of course, destitute, which the blind man is, and the other one has everything. Uh, that's a big difference, but here's, the, here's even a greater, greater difference in these stories. The blind man began to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You remember the story? And they said, shut up, nobody wants to hear you. And it said, he shouted out the more, Jesus, son of David. I don't know if he did it like that, you know. They do that in East Tennessee. Have mercy on me. He shouted all the more, right? And then the Bible says, Jesus stood still. But you know, it wasn't because he was yelling the name of Jesus or master or he didn't real, uh, rabbi or, you know, anything like that, because that meant teacher or somebody hit. You know what he yelled? Son of David. Does anybody know what the difference in son of David is and just teacher? Son of David is a messianic title. That means he recognized Jesus. Even in his blindness, he recognized him as what? Messiah. And so the difference was that, so when Jesus met this blind man, he knew he was the Messiah. 
And so, it, you know, he came forward, he, and Jesus healed him, and he said he followed Jesus along the way. Remember, he became a follower. Can you, listen, can you imagine? Do you think he was a radical follower? I mean, let me ask you this. If, if you were, like, blind and then you saw, all of a sudden everything's changing, wouldn't you be like, dude, I'm all in? I mean, this, I'm not the same that I was. And that's why he says, I want to blind, and I want to see whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I owe you the rest of my life. The problem is we are not radical believers because we didn't have that once was blind, but now I see moment. We just kind of morphed into being good people under Jesus. Hallelujah. But I mean, if God radically changed you and it was a complete change from literally darkness to light, we would be so indebted to Jesus that whatever he wanted from us, it would be a, I am all in total believer, right? So this story is a little different. So let's read it. All right. In verse 18, it says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher. What's the difference? Did he say, Jesus, son of David? He didn't say that, did he? What did he say? Teacher, right? Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. Good teacher. Okay, you see the difference between the blind man and the ruler? So this rich young ruler is watching him. He knew this. He was talking about eternal life. If you look at the passage before that, he talks about the tax collectors. He blesses the little children. He sees all this going on. And hey, he's, here's the rich young ruler saying, hey, I'd like to, I need some of that. I want this. So he begins to be good teacher. So radical followers, this is your first point that you want to write this. Radical followers must know Christ for who he is. Some of us in this room may not be radical followers of Christ. Well, let me just put it this way. You don't have to be radical. You cannot be a follower of Christ unless you know who Christ really is. And by the way, I want to tell you this. Jesus is not just your teacher. Jesus is just not, you know, your friend. You see what I mean? What he says, those, is he, and can he be those things? Absolutely. But he's not just that. He's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He's God Almighty. And there's no way that you can be a radical follower unless you understand who Jesus is. You get that? Say, uh-huh. Come on, youngins. Say, uh-huh. You got it. All right. Radical followers must know Christ for who he is. We see that in verse 18. Teacher. Teacher? Good teacher. Oh, at least gave him that. that. Oh, good teacher. Not, oh, son of David. It's like, sup, good teacher. You're, such, you're so good. You're so, you, let me ask you something. You think God knows he's good? Probably. <laughs> it's kind of an insult, isn't it? Oh, you know, it's like some people, and I don't understand titles anyway sometimes, you know? So people, that, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I'm an ordained minister, right? So my title is reverend. Is that not funny? Now, now my staff's laughing because uh, they're like, reverend, really? So, and so the rev, right? That's, that's uh, I, the whole group of you back there doing the little talking there. I see laughing. Okay, I get it. But whether you know it or not, I'm a man of the cloth. Now, whatever that means. And you know, I don't even carry that title. I forget that's what I am until I have to sign these wedding papers and it says, what is your title? Reverend. And I start laughing and going, what's that mean? I'm not that I'm not respectful of that title. It's just, you know, y'all know me. It's just what you see is what you get. It's kind of scary. And so, um, and so, uh, what the eyebrows went up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, but believe it or not, I know some people go, oh my gosh, he's ordained. Who did that? You know, it's like, but anyway, it happened, and that's what I am. And I have this title. Others that here, you may have the title of, I am a doctor, all right? And they say, you, and I used to think doctors were all people who worked on people's guts and stuff, you know, and things like that. But it was like, you know, a doctor can be people who, you know, have a doctorate. And it can be in music, it can be in drama, it can be in pastoring, teaching, whatever. It's pretty cool. So you can have a doctor. So and not everybody who carries the name doctor. So if you hear that, don't say, can you fix this? They may just do, have a doctorate in music and go, well, no, not really. I can't help you with that. So we have these different titles that people carry, right? And so um, it's not just about the title that Jesus there's a good teacher. Was he, he was also referred in scripture as a good teacher, Rabboni, leader, rabbi. We hear those words that we hear people say different words that they call Jesus throughout scripture. But this man said, good teacher, not Messiah. So the problem is, guys, I'll just say this. He's not just a good teacher. He's the, he's savior and he is Lord. 
And what I mean by that, look up here at me. There are a lot of people that have gone forward in church that have recognized Jesus as a good teacher. There are people gone forward, signed pieces of paper, and said, oh, we have a, you're a good, good father. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We've said it, right? You heard that song before? Yeah, I'm glad. Hang out in church every once in a while. It's a pretty good thing. All right, so we can say he's a good father. You're a good teacher. Some of us think I needed a father in my life. I needed a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. What do you say? Mighty God, everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. He's all those things. But you have to, hey, you got to know Jesus as your personal savior. And if you only recognize him as this person that you needed in your life to be that capacity in your life, am I right? So sometimes we need a daddy. Some of y'all need a daddy. Who's your daddy? I mean, we need a daddy, right? Some of you in this room, uh, you, need, you need somebody. What are you laughing at? Okay. You got that look, Caitlin. Let me come back there, all right? Uh, uh, I'm kidding. So my kid, okay, over here, I got in last night, and I had this. I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. I had a note on my bed. And I'm not going to tell you what I said, but it made me kind of, you know, have that little thing because it was Father's Day, and he wrote these really wonderful words. But the funny thing is, I would not believe that if we didn't have a relationship because they could just be words. Because on Father's Day, you're supposed to call people and tell them what, even if you don't like them, you know, Dad, happy Father's Day. Uh, you know, you're supposed to. If you don't, you look like a jerk, Okay. I'm just saying, right? Am I right? Mother's Day, same thing. You jerk. What you call him? Well, I don't really like my dad. Well, you still need to do it. I mean, it's like one of those things you got to do. There's days you don't like your parents. There's days I'm sure my kid didn't. But I knew he meant that because he doesn't just say that on pieces of paper. I, there's not a day gone by in my life where my son hasn't told me that he loves me, which is kind of cool, right? So then this morning I get up and I'm like kicking something with my ankle and I look and there's, uh, it, there's, a, there's a plaque there and, it, and it's a little... And he stuck it at the foot of my bed last night, and it said, behind every good son is a good father. And, uh, and I thought that was sweet. So, and I had a little, another one, I thought, okay, no more gifts. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was very sweet. So, the point being is, we have a relationship. And it's great that we have a father-son relationship. And we need that with our Father in heaven sometimes, so that's good. Some of you need a wonderful counselor because you're nut jobs. I'm just saying, you're cray-cray, all right? And you know you are, and so you need a wonderful counselor, right? You need somebody that's more patient with you than your parents. You need somebody that's there for you when no one else understands me. I've got the vapors. I've got I'm having anxiety. Anyway, we all have, you know, y'all got those things in your, in your life, so sometimes you need a counselor. Those are all great, isn't it? But if you want to be a radical follower, it has to be more than just, and he is all those things. But if you've never, ever recognized Jesus as your Savior that saved you from your sin, that you called on the name of Jesus because you realize you're a wretched sinner, lost and undone without God's mercy in your life, then guess what? You'll never be a radical follower of Christ. It is absolutely, totally impossible. Blind man, Jesus, Son of David, Messiah, Savior of the world, have mercy on me. Rich man, Good teacher. <laughs> Big difference. Got it? Y'all got that? Nod your head. All right. So we got, we're on the same page. You want to be a radical follower? God can't be just your good teacher or your daddy or whatever you want him to be because we can get the warm fuzzies with God, and then we only feel that when we're around other people or in the presence of godly people, and we kind of get that rubbed off on us. But let me tell you something. Your Savior saved you, will walk with you, be there for you, and, and, and be, not just save you from your sin, save you from your past. He saves you in the now every day, and he saves you for your future so you don't face eternal hell. That's an amazing God. Can we hear an amen? Y'all awesome. All right. So, radical followers must know Christ for who he is. Number two, let's look and see what it says after that. So, he begins to say, now, a certain young ruler said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. So, he kind of corrected him already, saying, but we knew, we all know Christ was very good. He was the son of the living God. But Jesus was making a point that no man, now Christ was perfect, but he was pointing to him saying, no man, I'm not just a man. So men are not good on their own is what he's saying. There's nobody good but God, the Father. And then later he says, I and the Father are one. And we know that Jesus was a perfect 
uh, human being, and he never sinned. We understand that. But here he's making a point is there's no one good. He's saying to him, and this is bad English, you ain't no good, buddy. Nobody walk on this earth is good. There's only one, and his name is God, Yahweh, the living God, Jehovah. And he goes on to say this. He, and Jesus says this, and he's very gentle with him. He says, uh, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. So Jesus begins to bring up the law, and he begins to say, hey, you know these things. Because he's looking at me, you know, can I tell you why? Even in my day growing up, not in your day, we're in this generation where you live, but in that society then, in the, in the Jewish culture, it was run by religion, okay? So we understand they knew the law. They knew right and wrong. They knew the doctrines. They knew it. When we grew up, and I was born in 1963, all through the 60s and, and 70s, my family, even though they could be kind of heathen at times, they still knew this is right and this is wrong. And we had our uh, devotions with our group last night, our family, our, 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 our leaders did, and that was brought up. We lived in a society, I may have been Justin who said that, that said, you know, it was so easy growing up because even in the worst of times, this was good, this was right, and this was wrong. It was black and white. Uh, who said that? No, it was Russ, wasn't it? And he said, you knew who wore the black hats and the white hats, and, the, and when you watched old westerns, the bad boys were in all black, Bart. He walks in, right? And, he, and then you had the guy come in, and, you know, he's, he's all that. The Lone Ranger was all white. And you, you knew who the good guys were and who the bad guys, the dark side and the light side. It was just black and white. And TV has played into it, and social media plays into it. And I'll be honest with you. I, I can remember when the change started probably in the 80s and 90s, when all of a sudden they started making the bad boys the good boys. And we're like, why, why am I cheering for this guy who just slit someone's throat? You're like, get him. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Something's not right about this. And all of a sudden it started getting kind of mixed up and the lines were blurred and what was right and what is wrong and what is good and what is bad. And then it was just like, well, then whatever you want to do because it's all relative. Well, the Bible is God's absolute truth. And so it begins to point out just like the commandments did, it's like a school teacher, and it tells you the rights and wrongs. Everybody say, uh-huh. You got that? We know that. So if, but unfortunately for you guys, it's so blurred, not just by the world of what is right and what is wrong, okay? But it's absolutely still blurred, okay? It's blurred by the church of what is right and what is wrong. So the commandments, he said, you know the commandments, love your neighbor, you know, whatever, you know, uh, honor your mother and your father, don't commit adultery. He begins, Jesus begins to list these commandments. And so the fella understood that. The sad thing is with you guys, where it's even harder for you to become a radical believer, is if I were to ask you, is this right or is this wrong, most of you would be able to say, well, I think this is right and think this is wrong. But even in our churches, I'll be honest with you, there's a major denomination right now. I'll just say who it is, and I know I'm on a podcast, but I'll say it. The United Methodist Church is going through a ma major upheaval because they're accepting homosexuality in the pulpit, and it's okay, and we can do this, we're going to embrace it all, and it's all good, all right? Then you got another sect of that that's saying, we can't do this anymore. We've got to make up and look at the scriptures, what the scriptures say, and not that we don't love people, but to accept that as okay, it's not okay. Just like it's not okay for heterosexuals to be sleeping together or living together or whatever else. And you guys, listen, your lines are so blurred, even by the church. Even by the church. There's people I know that I've been to churches before, and they have a worship team, and, and people... Uh, are partying on Friday or Saturday night and leading worship on Sunday morning. We're blessed. They'll say this, and I've heard leaders say this, well, we're blessed because we can actually pay our people to come and play a lot on Sunday morning, so we get the best musicians in town. And I'm like, but they're not even believers. And they'll say, yeah, but it's our way of getting them in here so we can show them Jesus. I get that. Trust me, we do that in the ministry. We bring heathens into our theater and love on them, and we want to give them opportunities. But can I tell you something? You have to be extremely cautious and then when you start saying, and dividing line, you get, you get ridiculed, and then they get mad at you. I can't believe you're asking me to step off the stage because I've got my girlfriend pregnant. I'm like, well, you just need to step down, have some counseling. You know, did you understand? Instead of them saying, you know what, I did wrong, and I'm sorry, they try to fight with you about why they think it's okay. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. What is that about? 
Look at me. As long as I live. Now, I'm not going to judge you into heaven or hell. But if I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to judge you and your life and be a fruit inspector because the Bible says I bear no good character, don't you think you better be making some judgments every day about people? I'm not telling you to get to right to say, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven. I'm not saying that. But you better make some good judgments. And you better base it on Scripture. Judge not, lest you be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. We've heard that, right? Do you know what that means? It says, you know, if I'm going to judge you, right? Judge not, lest you be judged. And I'm using this book right here. What is this? God's holy word, right? If I'm looking through this to you, and I'm saying, oh, you just killed someone. Oh, you just raped someone. Oh, you're a drug addict. If I'm looking through this, I can see that that's probably not healthy living and people that may not be honoring God because I'm looking through Scripture, right? The body's the temple of God. He gives us commands, don't commit adultery, and people are doing all these kind of crazy stuff out there, right? You're sleeping with each other, doing everything else. If I, if I look through the Word of God, then I have to see that. It's like putting glasses on and go, ooh, that's sin. Because, and I said, if the same way I'm judging you, oh, I hate to tell you this, what you're doing is not right. You're hurting yourself because, you see what I mean? Then it says, well, why? it says, judge not lest you be judged, right? So that means if I say that to you, I'm going to be judged too, right? By the same standards. Because it says, judge not lest you be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. So if I'm using this to look at your life and say, okay, what you're doing is wrong, I give you permission to look at it, and you put it up, and you look through it to me, and you say, and then what you're doing is wrong. You see what I mean? It's the same standard. But y'all don't have that standard. That, and so we look at, back at this passage of Scripture and this radical guy, who he, you know what his answer was? I do all that. And some of us in this room, we justify ourselves by saying, hey, I'm a pretty good person. Good teacher. There's nobody good. And then Jesus begins to point that out. And he says, here's the rules. You know, here's, this is what the, the Bible says. And he goes back to the law, and there wasn't a Bible then, but he went back to the law, and he says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. That means don't lie. Honor your father and your mother. And then what does he respond? Oh, I do all those things. I've kept all of those. Yeah, and that's the danger, isn't it? And you say, what's the danger in that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Radical followers, uh, would, they, they will want to have a relationship and not just religion in their life. All right? So we look at that, okay? They want a relationship and not just a religion. And that's what Jesus pumps to next. He goes, you got the religion right. You know the rights and the wrongs. And unfortunately, in your world, you don't even sometimes know what's right and wrong because the world's mixed it up. And now the church is mixing it up because we want everybody to love everybody and everybody to get along. Well, we do. It doesn't keep me from loving somebody. As a matter of fact, can I tell you honestly, when I look through scriptures, and this is me, and I'm out doing evangelism, and I'm speaking to the world, if I can't understand the world is lost, why would I even give a message to want them to get saved? I have to be able to look at the world and say, it's spiraling out of control, things are not right, and I want people to know Jesus. And if you can't look out there, there's no compassion, there's no broken brokenness, and there's no message of Christ that's ever going to be preached if we can't look at the world and have a broken heart for what breaks God's heart. And so we look at this, and Jesus began to have a broken heart for him because then the church houses, as this guy was a wonderful, good guy, he was doing everything right. He's pretty religious, probably, because he said, look, I've done all those things. He says, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I've honored my mom and my dad. I've done all these things. So am I good? Am I good? And some of us in our churches, we go forward. We sign the pieces of paper. We spit back to the pastor what we're supposed to say, what we're supposed to do. We straighten up our lives. Some of us don't even, I mean, we go Sunday morning, Sunday night. We don't sleep with people. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't say we'll do our best to do those things. We are guilty, right? But we, we can say we do all those things. But that's the problem, too. You can be so religious that you don't have a relationship. And that's what Jesus said. That's great. He looks at him, so he turns and twists him, and he's, this is what he says. He said, all these things I have kept from my youth. You know? What's the next verse say? So, and there's a big there, so. So Jesus sitting here going, okay, now let me point it out. You've admitted you've done these things that are, you, he said, so Jesus, when he heard of these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. This is where the radical part comes. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Sell all that you have. Now, uh, we were talking last night in our leaders group, 
And uh, it was Justin who said, well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, he said, you know, God hasn't called. We was talking about Mary and Larry. God didn't call me to sell my land and my property to move to Tennessee and do this. He doesn't call everybody to do that. And Justin was exactly right. But then Stephanie said, you know, when I look at it, our problem is with, as the book said, I don't really feel like I'm doing enough for God. And she said, you know, um, but here's the thing is, Stephanie's given up some major jobs with, you know, with the college institutions that are right there in our area because she was like a social media director over all this. She's done all kinds. She's got, she's well-educated. I know you wonder that sometimes because she's a nut job in a good way, but uh, she's just laughing because she's crazy. She's a lot of fun. You think, but she's a very smart woman. And so she was offered that. And what do we do? Give her less than half of probably that she could even make at her other job. But she said, but here's the difference. I know where I'm supposed to be, and I follow Jesus. And that is the sacrifice. So you may not go and sell your property. You may not end up in another country, uh, in third world countries. Uh, I know my friend that's here, you know, Tracy, you go to the Dominican Republic, right? You work with orphans. You work with everybody in the streets, people that don't have anything. I know you go over there, and it's not, oh, we go every once in a while. They go all the time. Like, you're constantly going. And I'm going with her. I, tell, I am going with you. We're going. I'm going. And so I just want to go over there and tell those people about Jesus. That's my thing. And she goes over. They take food. They love on them. They do everything. Um, and I'll tell you the sacrifice she made. Her son died while she was over on the mission field. And she didn't come home. It's almost, well, I have to let the dead bury the dead right now. I have a mission that I have to complete. I did her son's funeral. The greatest honor that she could ever pay him was continuing to be the godly mother that she's always set the example for by being over in another country saying, hey, I've got my kids here. And I remember that day, you said, I said, how are you doing this? She said, we went out onto the beach and she said, we lifted our hands and praised to the Lord because my son was set free. Who can say that? That's radical faith. She got home. They had a funeral. It was a wonderful memorial service. It was awesome. We had a great time. Family was there. It was an incredible, incredible time. So we got to that. But you know, those people over there needed Jesus, and she had to finish a task. She said, I couldn't find my kids today. I didn't know what happened. They wandered off, and they met up with some pastor somewhere, and they went and had church in the middle of the day. And that's basically what you told me. So who does that? Would you have that radical kind of faith if that was ripped from under your own child to say, you know what, I have to do what God's asked me to do, and I have to finish this task. I'll get to that. So it wasn't a following a rule and a regulation. That's when Jesus says, and he says, look, sell all that you have. Go get all your stuff together. Say, you know what, radical believers, God's going to test that. And I mean, tell you, that it's going to be the most, some of the most precious things in your life. And God's going to say, okay, well, well, can I have that, though? You can sit here and say, I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I do all this. Then God says, I want you to do this for me. I'm like, well, I'm really busy with you right now. I do enough. I'm a good kid. I do all the right things. Billy, I'm not smoking dope. and I'm not doing all these kind of crazy things out here. I'm honoring God because I go to church. You know what? Those things are good, but that doesn't show your radical love for Christ. Your radical love for Christ will, will make you Make sacrifices. And he will take, listen to me, oftentimes take the most precious thing to you. And you're going to, today you're going to have this exercise that what are those most precious things? What is your world made of? What are the most precious things in your world? Is it your athletics, your abilities, your, you know, you're, you got all that. You're artistic. You know, you, would you give those to God? What, what if, you know, your maker, your creator, you gave back to him what he already, by the way, already gave you? You didn't get that on your own. You ain't all that in a box of chicken, all right? So God gave you these gifts that you have, am I right? What if you were to take those gifts and say, I'm going to lay these at your feet, Jesus. You can have them back. Whatever you want to do with these is fine. And let me tell you something. If you're a true follower of Jesus, God says, okay. And I'm not saying you can't be a Christian. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There are a lot of believers, casual Christians. Casual Christianity is what's killing out salvation in the United States of America. People are just casual about it. It's easy believism. 
And God's called you to something way deeper than that. And so all the things that are most precious to you, for me, it was my family to walk away from my brothers that I was raising. Felt like I had to be there. The way we know Jesus, God says, will you walk away from that? And I want you to go to college. And you're not going to see your family for a long time. You're not going to be able to pour in their lives. But you, do you trust me with these babies? Do you trust me with this situation? You know, God asked me to give up a lot of things in my life. And, but, you know, and we talked about this last night. But when we really, this is the amazing thing about it. Tracy, let me ask you this question. You're here. Was it an option? Do you know, it's like, you, you, did you feel that day that you made a sacrifice by not going home? No. Did you feel that you made a sacrifice and really selling all that, Mary, and coming up? No. What the devil doesn't tell you is what you gain. That's the amazing thing. That once we yield all that, amazing things can happen. All right. So, so he says here, radical followers, I wrote, want a relationship, not just a religion, not just following. So he says, Jesus says to him, all, uh, the, the, the ruler says, all these things I've kept in my, from my youth. I've done all the things that are right. So sell all that you have, distribute to the for, uh, poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Be a radical follower. And what was his response? When the rich man heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Actually, one of the interpretations says, and I love this picture, his face fell. <laughs> I think that's funny. If I have that one, in the, read it. It says, and his face fell. We told him that. You're looking at somebody, you're like, hey, you're like, ah. Oh. And I mean, you can tell. Can I tell you, at breakfast this morning, some of y'all's face fell. It was just like, I am not a happy camper this morning. I don't know whether you didn't get enough sleep. I'm not sure what happened, but your face, it fell. I looked at Jaden this morning, and I said, Jaden? And she goes, I said, what is, what's going on here? It's not because you don't have your makeup on. It's not anything like that. Your face has fallen. And she goes, I'm still sleepy. If <laughs> like, I felt the same way, and it can't catch up, all right? My face says a lot. Your face is your countenance. And let me tell you something. When somebody's in the presence of the Lord, and when you're in the presence of who he is, and you resign to that, let me tell you something. Your face does not fall. When you follow him, you are so excited. In other words, you, you do not go away discouraged with your head hanging low. Listen, isn't it sad? It, I don't think a guy was just sad because he, um, I think he thought, you know, if I could have the best of both worlds, look, I've done all these things. I've been good to you. I have a lot of money. I'll follow you. Jesus said, I'm not impressed by any of that. I'm asking you, will you give all that up to follow me? And that's the question. And that's what God wants. So it's not about just being the religion thing, going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, being good kids, straighten up your life, no lying, no cheating, no stealing. It, it comes down to, it's, he wanted, Christ was saying, will you have a relationship with me, not a relationship with these worldly things that you're so wrapped up in? Will you be willing to leave those things that are so important to you and just follow me? He was sad. So, following the regulations, it does not get us there. Now, I mean, are you faithful to church and the body of Christ and your religion, or are you faithful to God? And there's two different things. Now, you can be faithful to church and be faithful to God, be faithful to God and faithful to church. But some of us are very faithful to the church things that we know we're supposed to do, sometimes because, um, you know, it's, it's for our parents' sake or whatever else, you know. I will look at that next, which I want you to write this. Radical followers, it requires sacrifice and obedience, okay? So radical followers must know Christ for who he is, radical followers want a relationship, not just religion. Radical followers require sacrifice. It requires of us sacrifice to be one. It requires sacrifice and obedience. Verses 22 and 23, he says, will you leave all these things and follow me? Jesus asked that question. In other words, what he's saying, I'm tired, and I think God looks down this world right now. He's tired of all the lip service of people saying, you know, it's not just lip service. It's not just lip service, all right? It's not just saying, oh, I will do that. And, and I put down, it's not just appearance. Now, you won't have that one up here. It's not just for the appearance's sake. In other words, not just lip service and, oh, I, I'll do it. I love the Lord. I do this. I do all that. I, look what all I do on Sunday. Look what I do for the youth. Look what I do for, for feeding the poor. Look, I go to other countries. I'll tell you this, and I love Tracy too. She would talk about her. 
if she's going over to the uh, Dominican Republic just because it makes her feel good about herself, okay, but she pays her own money out and all that stuff and just pours out, I mean, it's a sacrifice, all right? But if, if it was just for you, God's not impressed by that either. No matter what it looks like to everybody else, if it's something, and many of us are doing things that God's never asked us to do. And some of us by our lip service say, look what all I do. I go over this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And God says, that's great. That's wonderful lip service, and I appreciate that. Now, some of you also, real quickly, you do it. And look, it's not just lip service. Write this down. It's not just appearance. It's not just appearance. It's not so everybody else. Look at, well, look down because you're writing. But uh, it's not just, I always say, look up here. I'm trying to write, Billy. Okay, so not just lips. I do that all the time. I say, I'll say a point. Now look up here at me. Okay, you don't have time to write unless you do shorthand. All right. It's not just lip service. It's not just appearance. How many of you, your parents go to church? Raise your hand. Your parents go to church. Raise them up high. I know some of you are like, it's halfway because they're hit or miss. Okay, if it's halfway, uh, Hit or miss, raise it halfway, right like this. Okay. If they're all in, raise it per high. Okay. Okay. So we got, we got the all ins with the parents. We got the halfways. How many of your parents don't even go to church? It's a hit. Yeah. Okay. So we look at that. It's not a bad thing, but we have kids that you're, the whole spectrum's here. So, but sometimes we go because our parents make us. Sometimes we go, in my situation, because I wanted my parents to go. Maybe if I go, you'll go. I mean, sometimes I was just going to church to try to get things happening, you know? And even though it's, you know, it's, but following the Lord is not just for other people to, now it's important because people follow, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's good. But sometimes we're doing it just so people pat us on. Oh, they're a good boy. Oh, look at her. She's such a good girl. She goes to church every Sunday. And then you're out, you know, smoking the doobie, sleeping around. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> that's an old term, smoking the weed. And you all know that. That's everywhere. They're even doing it in church now. I think they're going to start passing an offer. I'm not sure. It's on every corner. At home, we got like, I don't know how many. They're popping up everywhere, all these little... And, you know, and in Virginia, you can grow three plants outside your house or whatever. It's like, yeah, use it for your personal use. It's okay. I'm like, what? I mean, it's so funny because you have to go back and apologize. A whole bunch of people got arrested years ago. They're in prison because they sold a bag of weed, right? And then now, now people can grow it in the front yard. What are they going to do with all those people in prison? Just let them go now because it's not a, it's not, we're going to have a mess, you know, it's like, it's crazy what we, we're crazy. But we do stuff for appearance sake, don't we? Some of you, you say, if I keep my, my front up, you know, everybody will be good with me. And some of y'all faking this thing for other people. Okay, but radical followers require sacrifice and obedience. Boy, those are ugly words. Look at that. Everybody say this word, one, two, three. That is the wimpiest. You are the dullest students today. What is going on here? Let's try one, one, two, three. I love you all. See, you just made my day. My heart leapt. All right, what's this word? One, two, three. Oh, man, that's a big word. Sacrifice and obedience. Now, I'll be honest with you. If you don't like those words, mm, if those like rake you a little bit, mm, like, like nick at you, sacrifice, I don't like it. Or if you have to come up, well, not everybody has to do that, Billy. You know, it's like, well, if, like, don't take my word for it. I mean, you know what that says to me? You don't want to give it up. You don't want to give it up. Wouldn't you at least want the heart? Lord, if God asked me, Billy, I would do that. I will do it. Uh, we did a fast not long ago. That means, you know, you go without food because you're praying for certain things. We're doing that for the last show, for things that we're going in our ministry. Our staff is going to fast. I don't know if they did or not. I fasted all through lunch. You know, but, to, you know, in the afternoon, don't think I didn't eat because I did because I just asked him to take that meal. Let's pray through that time. But, you know, but you would ask some of them, if, if I asked some of you, all, I was like, okay, I just want you to fast lunch. Are you kidding me? No way, Jose. Can you make it breakfast? Because I can sleep through that. It's like we want what, what's comfortable, right? Am I right? We're going to, we're, it's what's comfortable for us. It, it's just, well, I'll do that but God. We have the but God moment, because we're not, and it's not in a good way. So sometimes we're doing it for appearance sake. We do it for lip service. And sometimes, I wrote down here, it's not just uh, the expectation for your parents or others. Some of you do it because your parents just want you to. Or, or grandma, oh, you love her. So you're like, shoo, I got to stay all night with her on Saturday, and we all go to church on Sunday. That's what we're expected to do, right? 
it's the thing you're supposed to do. But radical believers want to do it. Listen, I want to sacrifice. I want to obey. You see what I mean? There's a difference. And some of you, those words like, mm, let me pick and choose. Well, a radical follower says, whatever you want, I will follow you. I will follow him, follow him wherever he may go. You know, that song, that's it. Okay? Would you be that way? And it's not talking about a boyfriend, by the way. Would you really follow Jesus in every aspect and every area of your life? Whatever he's asked you to do, would you walk away from your friends? Would you walk away as this rich young ruler to the thing that is most precious to you? And trust me, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if, if, if you, if, where you are in your walk of faith. Let me put it this way. If you're the youngest Christian or the oldest Christian in this room spiritually that's been saved the longest, there's going to be a point in your life where God's going to ask you for sacrifice and obedience. It will ultimately happen. And I'm going to tell you, some of you in this room, you won't do it. You're going to just be one of those casual Christians, as Scripture would say, a carnal Christian, that you want the world and let God be a part of your world and ask him to come and bless what all you're part of. And boy, we want God to come in at moments that are most tragic in our life. We want God to be our God. But listen, we're not willing to be his servants, to be his children. We want him to be our genie, to bow down to us at what we want. When was the last time that you recklessly flung your life at the feet of Jesus and said, whatever you want from me, I will yield it to you. I will give it to you. And the last thing I have here is I just wrote these things down. Uh, well, let me ask you this question before I go to these, this last thing. I wrote this word down here, that, and it's just, and, I, and, I, and I, this was an afterthought this morning. You know what keeps us from being um, all these three things in our life, these, these radical following him and, and yielding and not just the rules of regulation? You know what it is? There's one word, fear. We're afraid of where it may lead us. We're afraid of what we have to give up. We're afraid of where the challenge. I mean, I get you two, right? You, you two. And, and James, I'm, I'll be honest with you. You ain't dead yet, as they say. Sorry. You're above dirt, so God's not done yet, right? So what if God said, okay, you need to leave Christian Bible Fellowship. It's time. God's not done. You need to do that. I mean, and God will keep asking those crazy things of us till we take our last breath. So it's, it's a constant thing. So we can say, well, I've, I've made my sacrifice. Mary, I've made, like we talked last night, Mary made her sacrifice. She came to Kingsport. Sorry, you're all those yes people that already said yes to him once. So, oh, so many people saying no. He's just going to come back to you and say, okay, look, nobody else is doing it. Will you do this? And then you're going to have to go, yes. And then you'll end up picking it up because some of you in this room won't be these radical yes people. And so you're lit, throwing more on our plate to have to do. So why am I so urgent about getting more radical followers is because I'm getting tired and it's time for you to step up and be what God's asked you to be. Tag, you're it. All right? Y'all got that? So that's that fear, that fear of what it's going to be like. What's it going to look like on the other side? Let me tell you something. I love this picture. He says, with all things, he goes, Jesus fixes it all. Notice he didn't fix it with the guy. He didn't preach at him. He let the guy's face fall, and he walked away. And that had to break the heart of Jesus. Because he said, look, you've got all these riches. You've got all this stuff that you think is so big. Your world, and that's what you're going to talk about. What's your world? What you've created? What you want to do? What your life is like? Is that you've got all these things. But man, it's like having a tiger by the tail. Some of you are straddle that tiger. You've got the tail, and you're looking at, oh, look what I caught. It's so awesome. And Jesus is pecking you on the shoulder saying, hey, turn around here. Look how big this thing is. And then you want to flip around. And you're like, whoa, I had no idea. And that's what he's saying. You want to hang on to all these little riches down here and all that you created. If you would turn around, what God has in store for those who would obey and yield to him would blow your spiritual socks off. Don't just be satisfied with hanging on to this little thing. And even though it's big to you and it's everything to you, God says, that's great. But man, you're settled for way less than what I had for you on the radical side. So you turn around and go, I'm going to be radical. And I'm just going to let go of this tiger tail. Turn around and look what he's got me. And it's going to, it, would, it would just amaze you. What does he say? Immeasurably more God wants to do. Immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. But some of you will never have that. Because you're happy with this little religion in a little box, and Jesus in your little comfortable box, and he's your good teacher, and he's your, this your little daddy, and he's, he's your friend, and that's great. But he's the savior of the world. 
He's got a plan for you. He's got these great things, and he wants you to follow him, but it's going to cost you. But he says to him gently, when he walked away, he said about this to him. He said he was very sorrowful. He said, and, but notice what Jesus' reaction was. And when Jesus saw that, he be, saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who are riches to enter the kingdom of God. It wasn't about rich people only. How sorrowful, how hard it is for those who want to hang on to what they have and not let go. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of that needle than for a rich man or for those who want to hold on to these things to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved if it's impossible? He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And I love that picture. And then he goes on to say, Peter said, well, we've left everything to follow you. Are we not better than him? Because look, we have left everything. We've left our fishing nets. We've left everything. We've left our businesses, and we're here to follow you. And Jesus goes, and so he said to them, surely I say to you, there's no one who's left house, parents, brothers, wife, children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in what he's in this present age. God's ready to give you what's in this world. I'm not talking about prosperous things. I'm talking about, guys, the things that you will get accomplished, the things that he'll do in your life are limited by the God you serve. And if you're serving the God of this universe, you can't imagine what he wants to give you in this present age. It may not just be in physical ways. You'll have the best marriages. You'll have the best life. You'll have the best friends. You'll have the best careers. You'll be the best at what you do because that's what God has for you. He says, but also in the age to come, I'll have eternal life. So what he was saying, this guy didn't even get eternal life, guys, because he wasn't willing to be a follower. And he didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Don't be guilty of that. So my last thing is this. It's one question I have up here. Are you willing to become a radical follower? If not, why not? Is it fear? Is it you're satisfied with what you have? You have enough of God, and that's all I need. Don't push him on me. You know, where are you? Or are you following the commandments and being a good person and Jesus is that thing for you, but he's not your God, Lord, and Savior where you'd recklessly abandon everything to him? I don't know why not. I can't answer that question. I can't answer that question. Are you willing to become a radical follower? And if not, why not? Notice I didn't ask the question, and if so, because if so, you'll just do it. Just be a radical follower. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Push us, Lord, far beyond our expectations. Father, I, I just pray we won't be satisfied with just knowing about you. We got to let the world see Jesus. We got to tell them. We got to let his love shine through. We have to prove the life of Christ. And everything we do, our lives are just a test. We got to be a witness.